0: Hello, I'm Neil Sharp, Marketing and Proposition Director at Penn and your host for this podcast. In this episode, we continue our look at customer experience through the eyes of different guests who've got a particular perspective on customer experience in their work. And today I'm joined by Remini Armitage from a company called Brilliant & Human. Remedy specializes in gathering detailed insight from clients of B2B organizations to really seek out opportunities to improve and humanize service delivery through creating much deeper client relationships. Culture and people and the interface between staff and their customers, even in digital businesses, still provides the richest set of touch points to create a connection and a positive perception of a brand, certainly in our experience. The brilliant and human differentiator is the focus on the human touch often exploring quite difficult and sensitive areas to get right under the skin of how you build a better relationship between your business and your clients, and doing that in what they call a human-centric way. I was really keen in this episode to explore the various facets of CX management through her work and through her eyes, as I think she brings a refreshing simplicity and clarity to what has become, in some instances, an overly complicated view of how you Develop culture, and how you strengthen relationship management, which is often full of jargon, complex models, technology, etc. And her approach is very, very human-centric. So, enough from me. Let's talk to Remini. Hi, Remini. So, as I said in the introduction, you run a business called Brilliant and Human, and I'm absolutely intrigued by your tagline about humanizing business. But rather than me trying to explain what you do, why don't you start off by just talking us through what the business is about, what you do for your clients, and maybe give us a bit of background to you as well within your intro.
1: Oh, fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Well, I mean, humanizing business, so my mission is to humanize businesses by encouraging better relationships between businesses and their clients. But I mean, in a nutshell, I basically help businesses really understand what their clients think about them, what they really want. And ultimately, as I say, it's about encouraging them to be more human by opening up more engaged and real conversations between businesses and their clients so they're less reliant on tech and more relationship-led. You know, it shouldn't just be about the transactional relationship. It should be about being human. And briefly, basically, what I do is I interview people's clients. I listen to what they're saying. As an impartial listener, I get really honest feedback from the end client which enables me to then feed back to my clients to help them understand what their clients think, illustrate themes of issues or opportunities, and then they can start implementing being accountable to their clients, hopefully being a bit more human, building a better customer relationship, circle, cycle, uh, experience. Um, so that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. Before I set up Brilliant and Human, my background marketing biz dev, but did that for 20 plus years started in the digital space in way back in 99 Um, and i think you know the more i did it the thing that i felt was really missing was the fact that everyone was so focused on new business and and delivering products or delivering a service they'd often businesses are too busy to then focus on that relationship beyond that initial transaction or that initial engagement and actually if you treat people like human beings and actually build those relationships beyond that initial work you can then start to hopefully get more loyal customers advocates people who will actually start to shout about you continue to work with you trust you etc so that's me in a in a nutshell
0: brilliant thanks for that so I mean if I can play that back your work's all about listening to clients establishing what they think and feel i think what was coming through very strongly for me there straight away is, is the emotional element the feeling which is very much kind of the center of customer experience from our point of view you know what how you leave people feeling is very much you know the, the thing that they remember as opposed to necessarily the transactional elements of the uh, of the experience and it sounds to me you're helping organizations to try and turn their clients into advocates, which, you know, again, is is in essence what customer experience management's all about. That's what we do day in, day out with our clients is, is trying to help them do that. So that's really great as an introduction. What I'd love to do is is using our customer experience management framework is really just step through the various segments of that and kind of if I could look through the brilliant and human lens, if I like, for each of those things, just to talk through what those things mean to you when you're doing your work. And in particular, if we can bring through some of the, the human elements of it, I think that'd be fascinating because it's certainly not the normal type of conversation we have. We often talk about the functional side of it, perhaps more than necessarily the uh, the human element. So if, if that's all right, if we could step through the uh, the framework, that'd be great. Okay. So just sort of stepping through right from the beginning, really, we start with what we term purpose and strategy. You know, we're thinking about organizations being clear about their purpose, why they exist. And then perhaps most importantly is is really having a clear strategy about what they want to do, what kind of experience they want their clients to have and why. And obviously how that connects to the why as a business. And in your work, I mean how much of a role does clear purpose and strategy and a set of real clear intentions have when you're sort of starting out with your clients?
1: Well, it, I mean, it's really interesting because with all my clients, when I start working with them, obviously, it's really important for me to understand what their purpose and what their strategic thinking is and what their plans are for the future. And so when I work with my clients, obviously, I try to find that out. It might be that they want to be positioning themselves differently in the market or, or they might be thinking about selling They might be wanting to develop new services. And so understanding what their strategic thinking is helps me to then formulate what we're going to find out from their clients and customers and then develop questions around that that then I go away and ask them. But so, yes, some of the work that I do then helps them to formulate what their future strategy is going to be. So sometimes the work I do feeds into the strategic thinking for their future and their business planning. But then the other part of the strategic thinking is interesting because of course actually one of the biggest opportunities/complaints i think is when i'm speaking to end clients is the way they often say that they feel that their supplier who i'm in, who i'm working for doesn't understand the end client's strategic thinking mm-hmm. they don't understand what their purpose is and until they do how can they deliver brilliantly to them. Mm. And so often my feedback to my clients is you need to understand what your client's strategic thinking is, what are their plans and what's their purpose. And often that's forgotten. And I think there's a massively missed opportunity there. And often my clients then put on, you know, then focus and become proactive in helping to work with their clients to develop their strategic thinking as well, so that Mm. they can then deliver better.
0: Yeah. So complete alignment across there. And I, and I I understand that quite a few of your clients would be in the sort of the agency world. Is that right? Yes. Sort of, yeah. yeah. So, so I can understand entirely why they would need to be aligned on that. I mean, we often find that it's the thing that really determines success is, you know, where you've got a real clear unified purpose, people absolutely clear why they're coming to work. And almost having a set of principles, so, so quite often we will help work with organizations to say, in designing the experience or in designing the interactions you're going to have with your own client, having a set of principles lapped out that says this is how we want to go and do business often helps enormously because then you can almost use those as a set of design principles for everything else that you do. Do you encounter that kind of thing as well?
1: Well, yes. I mean, again, it's kind of understanding. I think it's important for a business to understand their own principles and their own purpose. And then again, that's kind of where the human element comes in is actually making sure that they're being engaged with the human side and understanding what how those principles are aligning with the people within the organization. Mm. It's like having you know the values. You know, lots of people have values on their walls. Great. That looks lovely. But who aligns do people align to that? Mm. Do the staff, do they understand what that means? And do their clients, do they align to that? And are people working together, and again, when I'm interviewing people, that often I often find a disconnect, so it's really important that people are aligned and, and structured and know it might be that they need to explore that a bit more, but actually, I think it's a really important side to business to be successful.
0: No, no, I agree, and I can see why that would cross over entirely with your your kind of core proposition of humanizing because um, again, you know we see in organizations where there is clarity of purpose. You know, one of our clients who runs a business, which is very, very high profile in in the UK, I won't say who it is. But when you talk to anybody, whether they work in finance, whether they work in the warehouse, or indeed, whether they work in the contact centre, which is probably, you know, 30, 40% of their business, it doesn't matter who you talk to. When you say to them, what does this business do? Why are you here? They're all absolutely crystal clear. And it might not be a purpose statement that is necessarily their primary marketing tool, if you like. It's something that's very internal to them and they know why they're there. They're absolutely crystal clear. And we just find that where you've got that clarity, it's so much easier to work with because all of a sudden, you know, it's then just about saying, well, okay, what are the barriers that are stopping you from doing that? And let's just work on those as opposed to if one person thinks it's X and the other person thinks it's Y, and you you have that misalignment there, getting someone to follow a script or follow a set of procedural notes, if they don't really understand at the heart or connect with at the heart why they're there, it's almost impossible to get them aligned. If I'm honest,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think it's when you were speaking, I was thinking actually. Of course, it's important for the customers to understand that as well and <laughs> yes. be proud of the fact they're working with that organisation. Mm. You know, you you want them to be excited to be working with you. And working in a relationship-led situation where there everyone understands the purpose of the organization and everyone's excited by it and proud of it. And so it's so important to make sure that businesses are clear on what that's, what that's all about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it'll come back a bit more on sort of organizational culture in a sec. But so let's move on. So we've, we sort of dealt with the first segment there very briefly, uh, massive subject area. could probably spend all day on that. But the next bit that we talk about is often design and user experience. But it, particularly design for us, ignoring digital for a moment, is all about really understanding who your customers are. You know, what are their expectations? What's their experience today, both practically and emotionally? And then trying to design what it is you would like them to experience going forward and what you'd like them to go away thinking about you and remembering, particularly trying to address the pain points and those sorts of things. That's the kind of terminology we often use. Do you go through that kind of process with your clients? And I'm guessing here, particularly thinking about the humanizing element, you know, sort of almost like studying personas or do you do journey mapping or those kinds of things? Do Do you use those sort of tools in your work?
1: Well, again, it's sort of a lot of my work feeds into that. So when I'm speaking to my clients about who they want to be speaking to they often say oh yeah well you know we want you to speak to our happiest clients we want to be able to build a business case for our marketing and it's like well yeah that's great but actually i think it's really important to understand your customers more rounded and understand and speak to your your advocates through to your unengaged through to your unhappy clients and then you can start to form a picture of truly what's working and what's not and then by identifying what any issues might be and then fix those and then map those out onto your customer journey and make sure that you're addressing any of those pain points that your customers are having so that you can then improve the customer experience ongoing and so i mean you know for the thing there's three things that come up again and again. You know, obviously there's a range, but if I was going to pinpoint the three things that complained about the most, lack of communication, lack of processes, and lack of proactivity. And for me, that's kind of even if the listeners and anyone listening thought of those three things, looked at their customer journey and how to improve their communication with their customers, their processes and being a bit more proactive with their strategy or their just generally engagement, they can only improve. So I think that it's it's making sure that their customer journey is humanized again. It's mm. making sure that you are engaging with your customers as human beings in a way that makes you build that trust and that loyalty and I'm not saying friendship, but it's mm. elements of that, you know, it should be fun to work with mm. your customers and vice versa. And so I think it, it, it a lot of, as I say, a lot of what I do feeds into the customer journey. And often when I've done the interviews, we'll then look at the customer journey and plot where things, when they have their engagement, what can be improved and how can that be increased.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now that's really clear to me. I mean, I, I think you know, the, the sort of best practice, if you like, and there's lots of ways of looking at best practice when you're thinking about journey mapping is, you know, yes, of course, do your internal workshops, get people to really lay down what they think is going on. And often not missed, but certainly uh, people often take a bit of a shortcut when they're validating their journeys. And it feels to me that your work is a very valuable part of validating that. You're almost trying to place fact onto the journey, you know, which is basically saying by actually talking to the the customers of the clients, the people that are actually experiencing this thing, and really get under the skin of what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and what they're experiencing, and, and laying that on top of the journey is the sort of the factual overlay. And as I say, I think um, is often People will spend 70, 80% of their time on the mapping, but perhaps less time on the validation, which is clearly a very important part of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, my clients are always surprised by what their clients are actually saying. And there's sometimes pleasant surprises and sometimes not so pleasant. And I think that there's always room for development and improvement and opportunities for, you know, it might be a new service that their clients are all asking for. Yeah. And, you know, and actually understanding that customer journey and how you can build on it, it's so valuable. I mean, it's so obvious. I'm not saying anything that's original. No, no, talk, no, no. Talk <laughs> to your customers. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know, I know. And um, it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? You know, um, uh, <laughs> how this stuff isn't rocket science and it, stuff gets missed in in the kind of the the fury of battle, if you like, when they're actually trying to, to do business. It just seems to uh, fall I, by the wayside. So.
1: I suppose the thing is, like with the work I do, obviously I'm impartial. So the customer's, end customers are very honest with me and very upfront and frank mm. and often the feedback i get they would truly they'd struggle to feed that back to the business right. because right. it can be personal and it can be harsh and actually sometimes especially you know the brits they can struggle to you know be quite as frank as maybe they want to be and yeah. um you know when things are a little bit difficult there's room for improvement. And yeah. and then, of course, you can build that loyalty by feeding back that, okay, we've listened to you. We understand what you're saying. We will change this. And then then they'll love you forever.
0: Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, it's the, yeah, 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 absolutely. But it's the closed look. I've listened. I've acted. Or indeed, in some cases, I've listened. I've understood. But I'm afraid I can't act because this, and and then at least you're you're still acknowledging the fact that you've heard is is important. You talk there about surprises. I mean, again, without giving away any client secrets or something, can you just to really bring it to life for people? What what kind of stuff would come up that would perhaps surprise your clients in terms of what their end clients are saying? I mean, does it tend to be sort of you talk about being personal there? Is it to do with behaviour? Is it to do with process? What what kind of stuff would come out of your work?
1: It ranges. I mean, I had one client who I interviewed. They thought, oh, you know. We're doing this for a marketing exercise and you know, we want to build our business case, et cetera. And you know, I think our clients they they generally really like us. And I always ask my clients to give me an idea of what they think their customers are going to score them. And they thought they were gonna get about ninety percent over all score, but actually they got sixty percent, which isn't terrible. I've had worse, but it was a it was an eye opener and it was their lack of processes and lack of proactivity, you know, some of their Account managers weren't great at following up and nurturing those relationships and they were a bit quick with them. And actually they just needed to tweak a few things and then it improved things. I've had other customers where that actually all their customers were complaining were not complaining, but their main complaints, as I said, were the the, the three magic processes, proactivity and communication. And when after the agency fixed all of those. They were really, really focused on making sure that they addressed all the issues their clients were complaining about. And then I followed up a year later, interviewed their clients again. None of those complaints were raised. And all their customers are saying, we want them to be more like board members. We want them to be more strategic. We want them to be like our kind of right-hand man consultants. And so they were able to offer a new arm of business to their business in consultancy and they were making 40 percent profit within six months i mean i've got i've got lots of stories
0: no no but that's really interesting because i think that does bring it to life you know what you're talking about there i think is again something we often see and and people often put sort of slightly crass terminology around these things like brilliant basics or whatever but it but it it's very true insofar as you know fix the the stuff that you can definitely get control over and then it allows you to develop your proposition into a very different direction because actually you've you've kind of, your base level stuff, the things that people just expect of you are just happening naturally and they don't worry about those, they become hygiene factors. And then actually then it moves on to the next level, which is, you know, these guys can almost put another layer on top of their offering because they're so good at doing the basic stuff that actually we want them to do more for us now.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's also things like, you know, clients often don't know that a business does so many other things. And I always ask the question, do you know they do X, Y, and Z? And then again, that opens up those conversations. It's like, mm. oh, no, actually, we're using another business to do this. Why aren't we using them? And so, again, it opens up that those opportunities that yeah. could have been missed before.
0: And a very direct commercial link to the success of the business, clearly, in doing that.
1: So. Yeah. And also, they're marketing. Actually, <laughs> they're not marketing yeah. very well if they're not being clear as to what they're doing. You know, start with your who you've already got as your clients. Obviously, it's much easier to keep clients and get new clients. So work with what you've got. Yeah, no, makes sense. Makes sense.
0: Okay. Um, so we've got our purpose and strategy. We know what we're trying to do. We're then basically making sure that we understand what the experience is like at the moment and trying to map that onto the journey and then thinking about what it is we might need to change in order to move the organisation forward and, and meet the client's needs. The next bit for us is sort of operations and capabilities. I mean, this is all about being set up for success and getting organized to actually deliver the desired experience. I mean, how do you help your clients to get set up right? Do you sort of bring the client's voice to the fore in this? I mean, quite often we find the most powerful way of of effecting kind of structural organizational change. You know, for example, you talked about account management there. Sometimes we find that, account management in its broadest sense isn't set up in the right way to actually meet the needs of of clients or or indeed, you know, in, in some industry sectors, there might be two or three stages removed, the actual end client, but the whole thing needs to be reorganized. I mean, do you get involved in that kind of advice to your clients as a result of what you hear?
1: Well, yes. I mean, as I said before, processes is one of the big things that people complain about or lack of processes, or it might be the way a core part of the service is being delivered It's just not working and needs to be tweaked. And again, it's not necessarily a massive change that needs to be done, but it's important that the clients are listened to and their understanding of the way things are working can be changed. It might be a report that you know, a regular report. If your customers aren't reading it and they're not engaging with it, what's the point? Either make it work for them or change it or get rid of it, you know. Mm. And so it's making sure that you understand what your customers Want and are utilising and and making it so it works. because It's very easy for them to move on if they're, you know, the operations that ultimately aren't working. But it's often the kind of the top end management that can be a problem. I mean, I've had a couple of situations, slightly awkward, when it's been the owners of the business has been the problem within the the, the feedback. Yep. I had one. He was a lovely guy, a owner of a tech organisation, but it was a stranglehold on the, the, all the communication, all the engagement, which meant that things were being slowed down and processes weren't working right. And so actually, they, it was having a ripple effect on the whole engagement and the customer journey. And with all the feedback that most of their clients came back with, he ended up having to move sideways and the board had to take over. And, you know, obviously, it can be quite hard to hear some of the feedback you get. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's important to... If you want your business to be a success, you need to listen to what your customers are saying to move forward sometimes. And equally, you know, I worked with another organization where the owner was, you know, hugely innovative, very clever, vivacious person, but terrible at people management. And so the operation side was falling down left, right and center. Capabilities, the business, the teams weren't working, they were all firefighting and all incredibly unhappy. And actually, you know, just by understanding where things are falling down on the, at that side, making sure that your operations, your processes, and the teams are working effectively and efficiently, you can obviously it's going to improve things. But a lot of that comes from the clients, and if all of your clients are complaining about the same thing, you cannot ignore it. No, no, no. Interesting.
0: And, <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Uh- <laughs> Really interesting that you're getting into that kind of leadership stuff, and um, I, I find it terribly refreshing and enlightening when someone has not only the courage to ask the question, but then actually to, you know, almost move themselves out of harm's way because uh, they they realise they're a drag on the business. And I, I guess linked to that, are you finding diversity and inclusion aspects coming into this in terms of? I guess one of the things we're finding increasingly within the, the field of customer experience is a recognition that if you are doing business with an organization, as a customer, as a client, um, you want their diversity mix and the way in which they go about inclusion within the firm to kind of mirror your own, not only your own values and principles, but actually to, to be able to physically see that they're structured in a way, they're made up of a mix of people that reflects you as well. Are you, are you finding that coming through in terms of the feedback that you get from clients?
1: Being very honest about it. No, Um, it is interesting. And actually, you know, I've been talking to the business I know who is very much dealing with that side of things. And I think it is an important aspect. And I have a range of questions that I ask and, you know, we tailor and I'm always asking people for interesting questions that they think we should be asking, but I've not been asked to address that yet. But I think I will add some of those questions to my list of questions to see because I think it is an important part, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that I want to do, slight tangent, is I want to set up something called the human standard, which is trying to encourage all businesses to be more human and, and almost be audited. And part of that, I want to be making sure, obviously, that inclusion and that diversity is part of that. You know, talking to the younger generation, talking to everyone to make sure that what's important to people, whether or not you're a supplier, client or teams, are being treated in a human way, sort of mm. complementing the B Corp. But that's further down the line. But I think that obviously that's a very important part of yeah. that idea of humanizing business. And we've got to be thinking about keep making sure things are more equal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I mean, that segues us straight into the next section, really, which is, is people and culture, which again, a massive subject in its own right. I mean, and we kind of touched on this a little bit about connecting to purpose at the beginning and, and thinking about that. And we obviously, we've been talking about it there. So, I mean, getting what it's all about from our perspective is, is getting people, first of all, having the capability, but then also having the motivation to deliver to client need uh, and obviously being set up in that way. I mean, I'd be really interested in kind of, you know, almost the practical elements of of how you approach this. Because when you say to somebody, okay, there's some cultural issues here, they, they, you know, how does this manifest itself? Well, it manifests itself like this. So you can sort of start to almost write down their culture for them through the eyes of their client and say, you know, this is how people see you. Those things that they're seeing are being driven by almost like the unwritten ground rules, if you like, of what goes on within the organisation. I mean, do you you often get into those kind of conversations? Because I'm guessing, you know, to to make a business more human, you've really got to get an understanding of what makes people tick. And it's that cultural dimension that comes into it at that point. What's your experience of of working in that sort of sphere, if I can call it that?
1: Well, I I mean, I think the key to that, obviously, is be more human. I sound like a broken record. (laughs) (laughs) But I think when you're thinking about culture, that is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And and actually, you know, yes, the core of what I do is 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 speaking to people's clients, but I also want to be talking more to the team members mm-hmm. and having it so that the, the team members have a bit more ownership of their clients and understanding of how they feel that they could improve things with their clients. But making sure that the business is more relationship-led, as said before. And that the people are excited about the work they're doing, they're inspired by it you know and again, that should go from your clients teams and suppliers that you're all working for the same cause and and there's pride in what you're doing and I think you know I think obviously if where I see cracks with team members, and sometimes I do, whether it might be an individual or a whole team within a, an organization, it's often because the culture isn't working. And the way the management is engaging with the teams is not good culture. And so when I'm identifying issues with from the clients, then feeding that back, it's very much, this is what you need to do to improve things. But you know, ultimately, if you've got a happy team... And you're nurturing your people within the organisation. They will then nurture your clients, which will, of course, result in happier clients and better business, etc. So, you know. And I think I mentioned it earlier, but it's this accountability piece. Is mm. I think it's really important that not only should you be accountable to your clients, it's not just about the clients; it's about the team and the people in your organisation. Show that you're listening to your people, getting their views, their good, the bad, the ugly. Don't be afraid of it, and make sure that you know you make changes where needed and feed that back and keep those conversations going because otherwise you know you've got unhappy people everything's going to fall down
0: yeah absolutely absolutely one of the things that we often find as well is it, it, it plays directly to your point about being more human is how can I put it sometimes people in all sizes of organisation, they they step into the office, if, if indeed they go to the office, or indeed they sit down at their desk, wherever it might be, and they kind of leave their personality and their brain on, on a peg on the wall kind of thing and, and become almost a persona that they think they're expected to be as opposed to being themselves. And and so I, I guess that that must be that critical point about being more human you can only be more human if you can be yourself to an extent you know and obviously applying a set of skills and procedures but at the same time if you can bring some of yourself to work and do that in a way and be empowered to do that in a way that means that you get that kind of slightly richness about people's characters you you, you find a completely different type of client interaction in my experience and again even in you know pure b2c worlds where people are allowed rather than having a script in a contact centre. Yes, they might have some guidance and a case of, obviously, in some instances in regulated businesses, you do need to read a script, but you can still pre-position that and do things in a way that might be more aligned to your own character and maybe even a sense of humour where you feel it's appropriate sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Couldn't agree more.
1: And it's encouraging that humanity. I mean, it reminds me, I was speaking to Barclays the other day because I was having problems with my card and the woman I spoke to, my card was rejected when I was booking my holiday, <laughs> and mm. she was like, "Oh, where are you going on holiday?" And we just had a really lovely chat, mm. and it was a nice customer experience. And you yep. know, I feel more loyal to it. And I think yep. uh, you know, when I'm I'm working in an organisation, when I was going into the office, I was always myself, and actually having that banter and having that fun, mm. and being able to be honest and being able to be miserable sometimes with your teammates is really important, but mm. also with your customers. not always but you know sometimes if you can show but it comes back to communication as well if you can talk to your customers in a way that okay so this is going to be late Mm. because something has happened and i'm going to be really honest with you and we can then work together to make sure that we're going to deliver what you want and then you can improve i mean interestingly i've got a case study where i mentioned earlier it was where this organization, where it was run by this great kind of vivacious, innovative guy. But actually what was happening internally was they didn't have the right processes. They were over-promising, under-delivering, and they all felt highly stressed, all felt like they were firefighting. The clients I interviewed, they got a 22% satisfaction rate after three interviews. They were so appalling that you know, one of the interviews, the woman said it was one of the biggest charities in the world said she felt bereft by the way she was being treated and I went back to my client pretty close to tears because it was such an emotional difficult conversation and I said look you know you've got to start looking after your clients you've got to start nurturing you've got to stop marketing and selling and do what you said you're going to do with your clients because you're actually verging on being dishonest and after that was obviously a very difficult call. I said, look, I'm not going to continue doing the interviews until you show that you're nurturing your customer relationships and you're looking after your clients because it's unethical for me to say they want to improve things unless you do. And so I stopped for six months. Then after the six months, I started interviewing again. And because the team had been really honest upfront and said, look, we're really sorry. We've overpromised, etc., We will deliver it this way. We'll do this as a list to fix things their customer satisfaction went from 22 to 74%. Mm. And that was just by making a few changes and some staff changes, but it potentially saved millions of pounds mm-hmm. because they were actually talking to their customers as human beings. Yep. So yes, I think, you know, obviously culture is incredibly important.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it sounds like there's some basic stuff there around honesty, etc. And um, I'm, I'm no doubt we could we could talk all day about the ways in which you <laughs> you get into that. But let, let's just uh, let's move on to a couple of final pieces, if I may. Measurement is a big part of what we get involved in in client experience. It's Our sort of fifth segment, and it's it's really you know at the end of the day, it's kind of what you do, I guess, to a certain extent. You know, you're listening to clients on behalf of your clients, and and basically finding out what they want. I suppose what I'm really interested in, it, it, what I'm gathering from you is it's it's a series of conversations that you're having with clients as opposed to you're not using surveys or anything like that. You're, you're using quite rich, basic research techniques to, to try and do things. I mean, do you use any other tools? Is it all one-to-one stuff or do you use any other techniques to kind of listen to clients, particularly if you've got a, a large number of them that you need to get to?
1: Said yes, mostly it's one-to-one. And you know, I I do put scores to things so there's a certain amount of measurement, and then you can then follow up further down the line. When I've got bigger numbers, I will do online forms, and then from that I'll then, you know, once we've started to get some rich data out of that, and I'll then start looking at what those themes are. And following that, then we'll pick a selection of customers to then interview to go into more depth. And then potentially we'll then go back and do another online form. But the, the core of it, obviously, is the one-to-one interviewing. But I do do a certain amount of, you know, market research as well. I work with a market research person who helps on that side. But as I say, it's the the core of it is the interview side of the work.
0: Yeah. And how do you? kind of turn that into insight. I mean, obviously, there's there's you playing it back to people, and I guess that maybe it's almost you're telling them verbatim what they're saying. I mean, I, I think what we find in our work is a score is a score, and it's extremely handy because you know distance travelled, if you like if you way of putting it, if, if you're making some improvement. But obviously, there are a multitude of sins that can lay underneath a score, and to bring that to life. I'm, I'm, any Any tips for listeners in terms of how do you really – Yeah, you talked about the difficult message, landing a difficult message there. Anything other than just kind of playing back almost verbatim what people say? Or do you ever ever actually play recordings or show videos or anything?
1: I don't play recordings or show videos. I never share any of that because everything has to be confidential. I mean, it's not that it is all confidential. I give the customers the opportunity to have any part of it confidential. So usually what I'll do is after doing, for example, 10 interviews, during that process, I will speak to my client after each interview, feedback. So if there are any issues or opportunities, they can jump on it straight away. I also have a, you know, have the data so that it is transcribed where it's appropriate. If there's something that the customer wanted to be confidential, it's not in that area. And then it means that then that conversation is can be started straight away. After I've done the interviews i will then analyze all the feedback the themes there's always a few very obvious themes sort of shouting out there it's usually three or four core themes that the customers are saying usually the reports don't have in detail who said what it's just what the overall themes are and then my client can go you know can analyze it and look at it mm. and see what what was said but the focus of that is basically this is what your customer saying. These are the issues you should be doing. This is how I recommend you do make these changes or, or these are the people I know you should be working with to help you address these points. Or, you know, all your customers are saying you're really good value for money and cheap. You need to be putting your prices up, <laughs> which has happened a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. And so, you know, it depends on what the cust- my customer wants to learn, whether or not, you know, whether it's marketing or, or just general improvement, et cetera. So yeah, that's kind of, I mean, when you were saying about the the kind of the online forms and things, the surveys, yes, they're valuable to a point, but actually, you know, someone can be having a bad day or last week Mm -hmm. they did something that annoyed them. And so then they get scored badly. So I'm kind of that filter, or I know that, you know, this customer is only ever going to give a seven when actually they love you. So then obviously I can feed that back. So numbers are fine. It's like the net promoter score. You know, I obviously do ask that question, you know, how likely would you be to Mm. recommend? But that's just a a touch point. I think it's, I tend to say, use with caution. because Yeah,
0: uh, don't get me started on that. I, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Another
1: conversation.
0: Yeah, no, it is, it is. is. Uh, But we won't go there today. No, okay, that's great. I mean, I I think what I'm hearing there is, Again, very similar approach to when we're analyzing a big chunk of verbatims. You know, you can run them through machine code and everything else to get stuff out, but actually reading them and then structuring unstructured data by theming it, giving examples, putting a bit of quantification into it is, is sounds to be the, to, the key there. So I, I recognize that. And then I guess finally, um, our sort of final segment on our wheel, if I can call it that, is, um, is what we call delivered experience, which is really all about the return on investment that you get out of this. It's, it's cross-checking almost at the end before you go round the circle again to say, you know, what what outcomes have we got here? What actually is happening now? And what kinds of benefits are we are we getting here? I mean, you've cited a couple of things as you've gone along in terms of profit uplift, introducing new services, new lines of business potentially. I mean, what, what other sort of things do you see coming out of this process in, in terms of benefits that would drive people to to work in this way?
1: Well, I mean, again, it depends on what the business is, but it's things like, you know, if if you've got retainer clients, you know, speaking to your customers, say six months before the retainer is due for renewal, really valuable because you can find out if there are any issues or what might be going wrong or right that they can then fix. It might be that a business is looking to merge or sell. And so then again, getting that honest feedback from your customers then you can then show that to your investors or whoever it might be and say well look you know this is Mm. we are uh we're doing what we say we're doing and we're doing it well you know examples of you know i've got i've got a customer who he was trying to work out whether or not he should be doing new marketing new business or whether he should be doing things for his existing customers and you know all his customers without fail loved him but what came out of it was they gave him some amazing suggestions for doing some marketing that would work for them, for them, but also for their ideal potential customers. And they've all said, you know, they want him to be offering a new service. And so it's, again, it's opened up a new revenue stream. But, you know, ultimately, like I said, it's all about being accountable to your customers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's not just about the measuring, but it's about showing you care and showing that you're human Mm -hmm. showing that you are engaged and you want to be working with them and you've got the right people doing that with you so yeah i mean i mean another one is like pitching you know i interview people um i've got a customer who a client who they're really good at retaining clients but they haven't been winning their pitches Mm -hmm. so i'm going to be interviewing all their customers the people that they've pitched to find out why they're winning or losing their customers and you know actually that's a they can then feed that back into Mm. their new business processes yeah so all sorts of different things that can yeah no
0: no fascinating fascinating and again you know i guess really to to summarize and bring it to a close you know this is this is a fantastic articulation of the absolute core principles of of customer experience which is you know listening understanding making changes and from a, a person perspective you know bringing not only humanity to this, but just making sure that people can see that you want to do business with them. You're showing willingness and, uh, you know, you're showing that you talked a lot about proactivity in that. And I think that's great. Uh, Almost like a final one sentence. I mean, if you could sum up in your experience of doing this for the last few years, it's like almost like what's the the top tip or top tips, you know, for an organisation that wants to think about whether it's being human. Is there one kind of way of summarizing all of that into into almost like a a top tip for people
1: i've probably already said it but i think probably just try to be proactively human Mm -hmm. proactively think about how you can engage with your customers better in a more engaging human way i mean i mentioned the three things that people complain about processes proactivity and communication i'd say those three things. If you can think about those three things and your customer journey, can you improve any of that when you're engaging with your customers? And then that would be my tip of the day.
0: It's a great tip. Glad you said that again because I know you've repeated it, but I think it's it's a brilliantly simple um, way of looking at it. So thank you very much indeed for for sharing your work with us and being so clear. I love the fact that you you use very little jargon, probably less than me during the uh, the conversation. So. Uh, it's great stuff and uh, i wish you all the best with the business going forward
1: well thank you so much thanks very much for having me really nice to be here
0: my pleasure thanks very much for listening today if you found that useful please give us a like on whatever platform you're listening to us on and if you'd like to know more you can find us at penpartnership.com or you can follow PenPartnership partnership on linkedin until next time goodbye